Douglas Vermeeren is the producer and director of three out of the top ten personal development movies ever made, The Opus, The Gratitude Experiment, and The Treasure Map. And now he is revealing his new hit film, How Thoughts Become Things. How Thoughts Become Things goes deeply in the nuances of personal reality creation, content that has yet to be committed to film, and he's brought along a few friends, such as Bob Proctor, Dennis Waitley, John Demartini, Joe Vitale, John Asaraf, Marie Diamond, Travis Fox, and Dr. Karen Perkins to explore the how of how thoughts become things. Doug has also researched the success strategies from business leaders and companies like Nike, Reebok, Fruit of the Loom, FedEx, American Airlines, Ugg Boots, Uber, KFC, McDonald's, Disney, United Airlines, Microsoft, and others to share their success secrets on film and in his books. ABC Television and Fox Business refer to him as the modern-day Napoleon Hill. He is a regular featured expert on Fox, CNN, ABC, NBC, CTV, and CBC, and others. Currently, his program, Personal Power Mastery, is rated as number three in the world for the most powerful personal development seminars. And he recently authored the international best-selling book, Personal Power Mastery. Welcome, Doug, today as we explore the how thoughts become things. those off. I, I think I look better without my glasses. I don't know what I've worn today, but it'll do. Perfect. The live feed is interesting because it seems to always commence before it actually tells you. So I believe we're live. <laughs> cool. And, well, uh, we'll find so out soon enough if somebody smiles at us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, some be- let's let's check out those beautiful smiles. So this is Justin Dunn with Justin Answer. I am somebody who has been passionate about developing my full human potential or my human potential to its fullest. That's mentally, emotionally, spiritually, even financially, and in my health since well, since the day I can remember, since as early as I can remember. So this podcast is for cultural creatives, people who are on that quest, who are seeking to live up and fulfill their human potential. And on that note, I'm sure you can see the screen share, which I'll stop doing now because I have the real person live and in living color, the man behind a film that some have called, including myself, the sequel to The Secret. Everybody's heard of The Secret. So this may or may not be the sequel, may or may not be an improvement, But it certainly is timely in what's going on in the world today for us to be focusing on, well, focusing on what? On what we want, focusing on the outcomes that we want, focusing on eradicating things, maybe not. But we will talk a little bit more about that in detail with our guest today because he's not just a filmmaker. He has a lot more to offer than that, to help the world, to help you with what you want. So I would like to welcome... I am honored and grateful to have with me Doug Vermeeren, and I hope I said your name right. You did indeed. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Yeah, we're going to have some fun today. I'm excited to be with you, and I appreciate your mission. Uh, It's interesting just to even get into things. Uh, Obviously, I'm known for the film How Thoughts Become Things, but as you're talking about wealth 
specifically, that's actually my area of expertise. Money Magazine recently rated me as the number one passive income coach in the world. So if we want to, we can talk a little bit about money today, or we can even save that for a different conversation as well. Because I think that that's one of the things thoughts become things one of the things that a lot of people really want to manifest especially in today's economy right but yeah that's i'm, I'm excited right. to be with so you that's you, you hit the nail on the head so if we get into it we'll get into it if we don't get into <laughs> yeah. it we will get into it in the sequel to this particular podcast episode because nice. we'll see how it goes but i'm expecting it aha uh-huh, to go brilliantly well which means we will want to do a follow-through or a to-be-continued of our discussion today. So, Doug, let me let me ask you the first question, which is relating to the film. It's pertinent to this particular film, which is what made you want to make this film? I know this isn't your first. Sure. What made you want to make this one? You know, and and that's always such a fun question. Here, here's the thing that not a lot of people maybe realize is my background actually. Um, is a little bit kind of the influence behind this. You see, I started probably like most of even your audience. I didn't have a lot of money in my life. My parents were what I call caught in the poverty pattern. In other words, they worked paycheck to paycheck like the majority of people in in North America. My dad worked in construction. My mom babysat kids at the home. And um, when I was in my, I guess it would have been about 19, somebody gave me the book, Think and Grow Rich. And I decided to do what Napoleon Hill had done to go out and start interviewing some of the world's top achievers. So I could, first of all, learn about me, but also really learn about success. And the thing that was interesting is as I did that, I guess the startling thing was, is I noticed that my own thinking began to change. I noticed that I began to see, first of all, greater possibilities for myself, but you know, the opportunities that were there for me and the world that was there for me and so forth. And so that's really what changed things for me. And so to be quite frank, as I did the other movies, this one's always kind of been in the back of my mind because I've always believed that it's it's really our thinking that generates our outcomes. It's our thinking that even convinces us what's possible and what we'll take action on and what we'll really believe in, right? And so that was kind of the beginning of, of this idea of how thoughts become things. And then I think it's important to point out that most of us do know that our thoughts become things, but most of us don't know how, right? We don't know how to harness that power. And I think that that's really the message that we share in the movie, how to start manifesting the things that you really want, rather than just saying, oh, you know, it's kind of a neat idea to think that I have control over my future, but what do I do about it, right? So that's that's kind of the beginning. I noticed that there's a few people watching already. I'm going to wave hi to them. So uh, and, and on that note, because I, I certainly emphasized it and you just mentioned it there. So how, how does this movie compare or differ from The Secret? Because a lot of well, us I have think, already seen The Secret. Yeah. And I think The Secret was an amazing movie. I'm a big fan. Obviously, um, you know, many of my friends uh, are in it. Uh, but I really think with The Secret, it was the beginning of a conversation. And I think that this is the challenge that a lot of, um, I guess, these kinds of films, including my own, have is we got to understand that we're, we're approaching now an audience sometimes that has zero experience with any of these concepts. They've never heard of them before. They're foreign to them. And even if they have heard of them, sometimes they struggle to apply the principles in them. But at the same time, you've also got an audience that's very well versed in these ideas. And how are we going to really kind of give them value and tools so that they themselves can feel like they're, they're moving forward or they're moving beyond what they've understood. So I think probably the biggest difference for us with this film is that we've been able to provide some really practical ideas, some practical strategies, 
and just a little kind of, I guess, uh, teaser or insight here. Um, although I guess we, we kind of fit into the category of being a law of attraction film, the truth of the matter is, is I tried to include some real science and psychology and the neuroscience behind how we think and how our thoughts are shaped. And so I've tried to really give some practical tools in terms of how this really all comes about, how it really happens, not just theory, which I think is a little bit different, right? So yeah. um, that would probably be the biggest difference for us. No, I'm really glad you went there because um, out of uh, curiosity, Debbie Palmquist is asking, what is the name of the film? That's actually going to be yeah. my next question. So hold on, Debbie, I'll tell you, it's right behind Doug right there, but I'm going to ask a question related to exactly yeah. that. So what an amazing <laughs> question for you to ask. But I'm so glad you went there because um, mm. what it is that I do offline in, in consulting and strategy and all that really has a fundamental background for the last 27 years. I know what you're thinking. You don't look old enough to have been working professionally for 27 years. When we go off the air, I'll tell you exactly my age. You will be surprised. <laughs> but in any case, uh, uh, shout out to Peter Ragnar if you're watching. I, the longevity sage. I, I, anyway, that's a whole other episode. But when it comes to what it is that I do, fundamentally, at one point I tell people, I took something that was esoteric and theoretical and brought it into the practical and mm. that is the essence of it so doug the name of the film is how thoughts become things how did you choose this title well you know it's kind of interesting um i'm not sure if your audience can actually see but let's let's do it this way i've got a, a whiteboard right here and so if we take the words how thoughts become things oops uh if i can write english today i'd be doing even better right and I think the thing that's kind of interesting about this is a lot of people focus on this side, right? So in other words, we focus on the thoughts. We say, how do I overcome negative thinking? How do I overcome my fear? How do I overcome my thinking of self-doubt? How do I stay positive all the time? Which, by the way, is impossible. We'll talk about that in a minute. And how do I just really control those thoughts, right? So everybody's always talking about the thoughts and even the study that we have 60 to 70,000 thoughts per day. And we've all, we always talk about thoughts and what we think about most we're going to become, et cetera. The other thing that a lot of people talk about is the things, obviously. How do I get to the money? How do I get the nice car? How do I get the perfect relationship? How do I get that, you know, whatever it is that you want, right? So everybody seems to focus on this side. And this side is really a lot about how or what we have, right? Like the things that we have. But the interesting thing is, is this is really the important side. And most people miss that. Obviously, the how, right? the strategies that are there, the awareness, how it's created, how do we overcome our programming? How do we shift our belief patterns? How do we really take control of our emotions in a way that serve us, right? These are really powerful questions. But here's the most important one, I think, in this whole movie, is we, we've heard in the past that everything vibrates at a frequency, right? We've heard that. And if we want to, say, for example, have more abundance in our life, we need to raise the level of the vibrational frequency that we're at. And so this is really the important word, which is become the changes that we're going to make. And so oftentimes people say, give me a strategy, the do, right? Give me a checklist of things, the blueprint of what I need to do. But they don't understand that the real essence, the power in it is actually in what we be before we can do. In fact, let me maybe share it this way. You've heard that uh, it, it, it said before that actions speak louder than words. Well, that's do, right? But the truth of the matter is, is being speaks even louder than actions. And I really love, there's a great book I'm going to recommend to your listeners here by Stephen M.R. Covey, the son of Stephen Covey, called The Speed of Trust. 
And one of the things that he talks about in that book, which is just amazing, is that if we be the right thing, you know, we can do the right thing and ultimately have the right thing. In other words, if we expand who we are, we get to expand what we have. But here's the thing is sometimes as humans, we do bad things. We make mistakes, right? <laughs> Even with the best of intentions, things don't always work out right. But if we be the right thing from the beginning, sometimes when we do the wrong thing or it doesn't quite work out, oftentimes people forgive us and they'll still help us. That's why this idea of fake it till you make it is such a bad idea. It's a total lie. It doesn't work. And anyone who's successful, who sees someone faking it till they make it, they don't want to help them because it's a risk to attach our name to someone who's a faker or a fraud. So we need to understand that it really all starts with when we be the right things, we get support to do the right things everywhere. The universe, people around us, everything will support a person who is being what is correct. And so I think that this is really the essence of the title. And I really hope that people kind of see how these four elements really kind of um, work together. And you'll see that in the film. Like you'll learn a lot about that in the film. Of course, yeah. And I encourage everybody to watch the film. I've watched the film, of course, and it's remarkable. It's remarkable in its simplicity of getting across those concepts which may not have quite gotten across in the secret movie, which is again, good film. So this is, in my opinion, a little bit better, but that's just an opinion. Oh, thank I don't you. want to piss off Rhonda Byrne. So any, in case she wants to come on the podcast. Well, anyway. there's, there's room for all of us. And, and the thing that I kind of think that's important is I think a lot of these films should be watched in conjunction with each other because yeah. they will give you a more full picture. One of the things that's kind of interesting about the film that we try to do differently this time, which uh, even in my other films, I apologize guys, I did not do, but I should have done for you. Um, here's the deal is most people often watch a film and the reason they watch it is because they want change. They want different results. They want to see things happen in their lives. But sometimes they just watch a film and go, those are some pretty good ideas. Then they go back to being what they were before. So with this film, actually, we've actually created a workbook. And there's additional supplemental materials that you can bring in and everything else. So I encourage you, don't go watch the movie. Experience the complete package because what you're looking for is the change. So the, the workbook is free. You get it when you get the movie and there's downloads for audio interviews and other things. And there's, you know, obviously even deeper uh, that you can go into it. But if you really uh, are watching the movie with the intention to change, I believe you need to have the experience of everything, not just kind of the drive-by viewing of the movie and say, hey, that was a cool movie, right? I don't want that. I want people to really be able to, to change their lives with it, right? No, that's fantastic. Actually, that was going to be a, a question I ask later is, is there, will there be as, a book as well? And of course, yes. you, just, you just preempted that by saying there actually already is a book, which well, is- Well, there's a, a workbook, a work but there's book. actually a book that is going through a major publisher. And by the way, I may mention something that I think is kind of cool uh, about the book versus the movie. Now, obviously with the limited time of a movie, there's only so many concepts that we can explain and go deeper with. But with a book, obviously, you know, I mean, it's definitely uh, uh, possible to, to share a lot more information and go a lot deeper. So some of the things in the book we're talking about is, again, more into the idea of how your programming came to be. We're talking a little bit about this idea right now. A lot of people in the world are talking about meditation and the power of meditation. And the truth of the matter is, is there's a lot of dangers with meditation that most of these people are, are not talking about right? Hmm. And we'll maybe talk about that another time. Um, but there's also such things as how to create not positive thoughts, because positive thoughts actually are not the goal, right? But how do you create empowering thoughts, which is different than positive thoughts? The other thing that's kind of interesting that we talk about in the film, and I just, at the beginning of this, I alluded, we talk about this is, 
this idea of always thinking positive. In fact, one of the things we talk about in the film, but we talk at great detail in the book, is that thoughts always arrive in a duality, meaning that there's a positive and negative side to every thought that arrives. So if you've got a listener, for example, let's say that they want to start a business. On one hand, you're going to have the positive part of that thought that says, you can do it. You start a business, you're going to get freedom, you're going to have profit, you're going to be of service, you're going to be able to do what you do, etc. But as that thought arrives, have you ever noticed how a negative one comes right behind it? Well, I don't know if you can do this, right? I don't know if you've got the experience. I don't know if you've got the, the mechanisms in place. I don't know if you'll be really valuable to this tribe, etc. And so when those two, two elements of the thought arrive in your programming, you know, it's interesting because if you've been programmed all your life to believe you can do anything, you're going to feel, yeah, the positive side will immediately have more power. But if it arrives in programming that says, you know, no one in our family's ever done this, you can't do it. There's no power there. You'll fail. Everything that you've ever tried before is challenging. Well, the negative will have more power. And in the film and in the book, we show some ways to overcome that negative programming so that the things that you really are inspired by, and by the way, here's something I firmly believe, when something comes into your intuition with enthusiasm and excitement saying, you can do this, the truth is, is you can. It's only when we begin to place limitations on it or doubts on it that we begin to sort of cast those ideas away and we begin to second guess ourselves. And so how do you really like empower the good ideas as they come to you? And these are, are some very strong tools that we share in both the film and the book, right? Fantastic. So um, that's really interesting. Um, I, we could talk for hours about these, these subjects, but is there a way that you can succinctly, in case there are people mm. here today tuning in or that will be listening to this uh, recording who may not choose to invest in the movie, to even though I, I can't imagine mm. why they would do that. <laughs> so so answer us just really simply this one question is, how does the law of attraction work in regards to thought? Well, you, you know, I, I think that's a pretty big question to answer succinctly. Uh, here's the deal is not every thought that we have becomes a thing. Some thoughts, in fact, are just fleeting thoughts. They don't arrive with power. They don't arrive with any kind of influence. And so it's important to understand that the first thing that a thought really looks for is an attachment to beliefs within our programming. If we believe something is possible, if we believe that it's for us, we begin to kind of think a little bit more on it. And next is if we get emotional about that, I love what Joe Vitale says in our film, that emotion is the fuel that gets the thoughts going, right? So if we get emotional about it and we're invested in it, we're going to actually start to consider taking a decision. And decisions never truly are a decision unless they have action attached. And the moment that we create action and then we begin to see some results is when we create momentum. Now, the truth is, is even as we take action, not all thoughts immediately work out. And so as long as there's still that fuel that's there and that programming of support that's there, we'll continue even when things are difficult. Now, maybe let me just sum it up in one really interesting way. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm known as in the community is the modern day Napoleon Hill. For my interviews of more than 400 of the world's top business leaders, achievers, everybody from Oprah to Richard Branson to you name it. So I've met the best of the best. But here's the thing that I, I understand is that even our programming, because a lot of these people that I interviewed came from negative circumstances, came from difficult situations, everything from abuse to bankruptcy to you name it. But we become like the five people we spend the most time with. We've all heard that before. And how I see that is most people say, well, I was programmed this way because of my family, my parents, my upbringing, blah, blah, blah. I'm here to say you got to get rid of that excuse. Because the truth is, is, again, you're like the five people you spend, not spent, 
right? Not past tense, spend, current tense. The most, the five people you spend the most time with. And so if you have a supportive network or you have a supportive belief system around you, you have people that are gonna stand by you, that will immediately help you start to attract things into your life. And I believe that all wealth, all success, all great things are never created by an individual. They're always created by a team. And I think one of the biggest misconceptions about the law of attraction is that if it's meant to be, it's up to me. That's not true. That's too much pressure on you. The truth is, is you don't have all the tools. If you look at everyone in the history of the world, all amazing things have always been created by a team. And so if you're trying to do it solo and by yourself, you're going to reach limitations very quickly. However, if you find people who can support you, there is no limit, right? The limit now becomes what can you as a group sort of create? And the truth is, is if you put yourself with a higher level of thinkers, we all know that the level of problems that you can solve, like your network is your net worth, but your network is really your safety net. That's even better. Right. Yeah. And I'm glad you went there and I'm glad you said a few of those things, but particularly, uh, particularly the thing about um, all thoughts become, because I know so many people, so many people who are mm. law of attraction people, they are folks who believe in that and they practice all of this stuff and they operate on a level of terrified of their own thoughts and thinking yeah. that, that, that one little negative thought coming in is the end of the world. And it means they're going to manifest death and disaster. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm glad that you went there and actually clarified that, yeah, not every single min, you know, minuscule thought that you have throughout the day is going to then become things. So that's a very yeah. important distinction that you made just there. Well, so well here's, you, here's also something cool that, that we should maybe point out is that the other thing is, is like I said, negative thoughts to some extent are also natural. And there is a power in fear. There is a power in doubt. There is a power in, you know, uh, you know these negative things. And, and sometimes if we really understand that, that power, we have the ability now to create even stronger outcomes, right? Because the truth of the matter is, is when I went out and I interviewed all the top achievers in the world, and again, remember this is 400. I don't know anybody since Napoleon Hill who's interviewed 400 of the world's top achievers. Many of them are still my close friends. I was able to identify some very common markers, right? And by the way, again, interviewing 400 is different than reading everybody's book or going to everybody's seminar. So I've got some information that no one's ever seen before. But I can tell you that one of the things that top achievers do differently is they don't run from problems and they don't hide from obstacles or challenges. They learn how to manage them better. And they understand there's a difference between positive thinking and optimistic thinking too. Optim optimistic, optimistic, the word comes from the word optimize, right? So a top achiever generally recognize that there are some things that aren't working right. They recognize that there's challenges and problems in the world, but they look to optimize every situation. So my question really, if we're, if we're in the real world, so to speak, it's not how do we avoid negativity? It's how do we embrace it with a perspective of optimization, right? Because in every problem, there's a profit. Every problem, there is benefit. But most people just aren't willing to embrace it enough to look for it. They're too afraid. They'd rather run from a challenge rather than uh, really take that challenge and, and, and find something that can serve everyone. And that's another and, and that's incredible distinction you just made there about uh, optimism mm. versus positivity. And what's the difference there? I mean, I, I remember in high school, I was awarded the 
uh, Birmingham from Birmingham, Michigan, where I grew up, uh, mm. Optimist, uh, a citation, an award from Optimist International. And I, I believe that I am an optimist, you know, in the way that you said, not Pollyanna, not in the sense of, oh my God, I, I you know, negative thought, you know, but in the sense of what you say is how can I optimize all the situations in my life and how can I also leverage any negative situations to my advantage, but also for the greatest good. Now, I wanted to ask you because you mentioned, you mentioned Dr. Joe Vitale and uh, oddly yeah. enough, um, uh, probably she'll listen a bit later on, but uh, Dr. Terry Levine is uh, a, a, a friend of Dr. Joe Vitale as is Mark Joyner, another friend of mine. Ooh. So we have mutual friends in common, but who, who else is in the film? Yeah, so um, I obviously wanted to select a really strong cast. Um, so we've got Bob Proctor, who all of you know, of course, Dennis Waitley, who also was featured in The Secret, amazing, amazing man. Um, we've got Joe, uh, Joe Vitale, who we mentioned, John Martini, John Osraff, Marie Diamond. And also I've added some newcomers, some people that I felt had some really good perspectives on this um, that could really add to the conversation. So Dr. Travis Fox, absolutely amazing. Marina Bruni as well, Megan Fetz, and um, Dr. Karen Perkins, who's a hypnotist. So we've got some really amazing people. Um, and then of course, you've got myself, but uh, I, I really selected people that I thought not only understood how thoughts work, but have manifested an, an incredible reality for themselves based on the power of thought. So yeah, it's, it's got a strong cast. That's amazing. I uh, met uh, several of those names. Well, four of those names I have actually mutual contacts and friends with. So oh, I, I'm quite amazed about that. And I saw everybody, everybody that you chose is remarkable and worth learning from. Uh, obviously, we have to manage our time and budget so we can't go and individually one-on-one -on -one sure. learn with all of these people, but you brought them together. So that's, that's amazing. What, what should we look for when watching this film? Well, I, I think the biggest thing with um, with any of, uh, of these films is, you know, it's funny because um, this is a great lead in. Thank you for asking me about who the cast is, because a lot of times we look at these films, we're like, oh, wow, you know, like Bob Proctor's in this one. And wow, Dennis Wheatley's in this one. Can I tell you the real question you should be asking is, yeah. wow, where can I find me in this one? Right. So in other words, how will this affect me? How will this change me? What will I do to implement it? And the truth is, is I designed this movie with you in mind, meaning you as the audience, you're the most important person in this cast. And the moment that you kind of realize that it, it, this is a story about you, not about the people in the film, it's about you. I think you're going to find more power in it for yourself that way. Okay. So on that note, what can I expect to learn from this film? Yeah. Again, I think there's so much um, really involving the idea of thought. So I think the first thing that I, I hope you'll learn, number one is that your programming is not permanent, right? The programming that you experienced in the beginning that really from your subconscious mind is dictating a lot of the thoughts and beliefs and possibilities and things, it's not permanent. And if you want something different, right? If you want a new reality in your life that it is accessible to you, then of course the pathway on how that's gonna be received in your life is unfolded there. In fact, one of the things that I think is really kind of cool is most people talk about manifestation and the law of attraction. And I think a lot of people really have it wrong. And that's why they say, oh, the secret didn't work. Or, you know, uh, you know, they try to manifest, say, for example, money in their life and it's not arriving. Well, the truth of the matter is, is because you haven't really laid down the pavement for it to be received, right? It's like, uh, I, I love to use the analogy of a car driving around. If you want the car to drive to your house, you have to have a road going to your house. 
So let's show how that road can be built. And in this film, we talk a lot about that. Now, the other thing that I think is important too is that it's not just a matter of having the road in place. It's, I believe, also the speed at which things can manifest in your life. And there are elements that you can do that will increase that for you. Oh, you're on mute. I think that's fantastic. And yeah. a lot of people right now are wanting to know where can someone see this film? So please share with us, yep. where can we see it? Yeah, right now the best place to go is www.howthoughtsbecomethings.com. So www.howthoughtsbecomethings.com. And like I said, right now, if you head over there, there's a lot of bonuses and, and uh, free gifts that we'll give you to enjoy the experience of the film even, even more. That sounds really cool. I mean, I, I've already headed there myself last week. So awesome. I encourage everybody to do the same. You will not regret it. If, if all you get out of it is just a few of the points that we talked about today during this podcast, during this live interview, then it's worth five to 10 times what you're going to pay to see the movie at www.howthoughts.com become things.com. <laughs> so hopefully you can easy. spell that. Those are very easy words. If you can't, just ask me. We'll send you there. No problem. Just ask me that. So is there anything that thought cannot create? You know, I, I think thought creates in the realms that we allow it to do so. And, you know, it's interesting because a lot of times people, you know, one of the things that we say in the film is that everything that you want to create already exists in one form or another right? So in other words, you want money, they're printing it every day at the mint. It exists. You want a new Ferrari? I promise you they exist, right? I've got one just parked outside here. So um, these things already exist. The question that then people say is, well, what if something hasn't been invented yet? Well, you know what? The problem that is going to lead to that invention already exists. It's going to be your imagination that unlocks it. And not just your imagination, but also your connection with other people, right? So I believe all great ideas are not always created in a sterile vacuum. They're created by exposure to things. For example, thoughts generally are a result of a stimulus, right? So for example, if I were to say the word dog right now, well, your whole audience wasn't thinking about dogs until just I said the word, right? And so we've got to put ourselves in environments and in situations where our mind can be stimulated in the direction we want. Again, that's why we have to, this idea of spend, uh, you know, an hour having lunch with a millionaire, or whatever, that's such an important thing. In fact, we've just launched a brand new program called the Income Stream Challenge. And every week we are teaching people how to manifest money through creating income streams. And the reason why I believe it's so effective is because not only do I bring in, you know, people that are great to talk about money and wealth, but you're now part of a community that is stimulating that idea each week about money and wealth. And the more you're kind of immersed in these conversations, the more likely it is that you're going to encounter that. In fact, let's just throw it out here right now. You want to learn about money, come join us. It's IncomeStreamChallenge.com. And we'll show you how you can start really having your mind find income, money, because it's there. It exists. It's all around us right? Okay. And so well, how we've, come, got to, we've got to trust yeah. in those stimulus. Okay. Well, how, how come most people have a hard time creating with their thoughts? I think it, it really has a lot to do with a couple things. Firstly, focus and secondly, clarity, right? Well, I guess maybe let's flip those in order because you can't really have the focus unless you know what you're focusing on. In fact, one of the things that we, we tell our students is, is that a goal that is specific and clear becomes attainable and near. And the problem with most people is they've never gotten clarity around what they want. In fact, it kind of reminds me 
here's a funny little story, true story, by the way. Um, so right after the secret came out, a friend of mine came up to me and he says, oh, I'm going to manifest a Ferrari. No kidding. Right. He says, I'm going to, I can see if the secret thing works. And I said, okay, cool. And so about six months later, he gave me a phone call. He's like, Hey, I want to take you for lunch. Come on for lunch. And I'm thinking in my mind, Oh, he's got his Ferrari. Right. So I decide I hop in mine. I drive down to the uh, place where we're having lunch and I'm looking around in the parking lot and I don't see another Ferrari there. I'm kind of curious. Well, where is he parked? Right. Like, I'm just curious. What did he get? Right. So anyways, I park, I go inside the restaurant and there he is sitting at the table with this girl. And I'm okay, whatever. I didn't know, you know, maybe he's getting married. Like what's going on. Right. And so as I sit across the table, he says, so I'll bet you're wondering about that Ferrari thing. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah. I'm just kind of playing dumb. Right. Yeah. You know, the thought occurred to me, he, he turns to the girl and the girl passes across his business, her business card. And he says, this is my new assistant. And I pull up the card and her name was Adriana Ferrari right? <laughs> so he got his Ferrari, but it comes back down to this idea that a goal that is specific and clear becomes attainable and near. You know, he said Ferrari, 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 but he really wasn't very clear on how that was going to manifest. And it did show up, but not in the way that he, he understood. So I actually think it's really important, even if like, if your listeners are using things like vision boards or what have you, it's important. Don't just cut out the picture and put it on there. Get very specific, put how much it costs. Like for example, um, you know, the Ferrari that I accumulate, it's a 360 or 360 Medina spider yellow. Uh, but the, the way that I got it is I knew exactly how much a Ferrari costs. I went and I took a look, I got the brochures. I started putting myself in the path of where a Ferrari could have arrived. And so when one showed up, I already kind of knew all the specifics around it. So I also knew if I was getting a good deal or not. And so I think this is the problem with people manifesting. They just simply get in their yoga pose and say, um, okay, I'm going to make that vehicle arrive or whatever but no getting specific means that you really understand it you see it you hold it in your hands as if it already existed and that means that you know the particulars of this you're deeply invested in making it part of your life and if someone were to come up to you and say okay so what kind of ferrari do you want you're not going to say well i don't know anyone will do no you're going to say a very specific model if someone says well how much does a car like that cost you're going to know right like people are going to you know you, you can answer all those questions if you're very clear about it. And I think that that's the problem. And let's just throw the idea of a Ferrari out for a minute. Let's just say anything you want in life, right? You want the perfect spouse. You're going to know some specifics and, and things. If you're not married, by the way, <laughs> if you are married and you're looking for another spouse, there's the problem right there. The problem is you, not them, right? Because you're already looking while you're still in something. But um, we need to understand that whatever it is that we want to create or accumulate in our life, the better we understand it, the more we can see how it will possibly arrive. And then, like I said, we can put ourselves on that path so that our probability increases, right? Okay, so what and are the steps then between thoughts and manifesting those things? Well, kind of like what we talked about, you know, obviously there's the belief that's there and so forth, but let's talk about the law of probability for a minute because the law of probability, it's funny. I've been in the personal development business for years and I've never heard anyone talk about it. And again, this maybe is, uh, you know, the benefit of why I was able to, you know, see the 400 top achievers. We've got some stuff that we teach that none of the other gurus are even aware of. So here's the law of probability. Bottom line is, I want you to imagine if you had a field and you were shooting an arrow into a bullseye at the other end of a hundred yard field. What are your chances of hitting a bullseye? Well, for most people, zero, because you're way too far away, right? Even if you think it, 
and, and write it down and set a date and all these goal setting things, doesn't matter. You're way too far from it. So if we took a step forward, our chances of getting the bullseye increase. And if we took another step, with every step we take forward, the chances increase. So there's really a few things that we can do that will increase the challenges for or the, the opportunity for every goal to arrive. And that's found in number one, the things that we choose to learn, that increases the probability that we'll be able to do it or recognize it when it appears. Next, the geography, the places that we go. For example, if you wanted to be a movie star, your chances of being a movie star, if you're in the middle of Zimbabwe someplace is pretty minimal. But if you were in Hollywood, the geography has increased the chances, right? That's where movies are made. Same thing with people. If we put ourselves close to the people, then we can see that that's going to help too, right? Certain people can open doors for us. And here's also a lie that's been told by a lot of gurus. They say, take massive action. No, 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 no. The goal isn't to be busy. So my advice is take deliberate action, action that's calculated to make a difference. I don't want you to be busy. I don't want you to hustle. I don't want you to wake up and be part of the 5 a.m. club. I don't want you to grind. I don't want you to stay up late. I want you to do smart things, not busy things. I don't want you to be engaged in stupid things, right? That are not gonna serve you. So that's another thing. What are the right actions? What's the right formula? And then I think the last thing with probability that most people miss is frequency. How often are you doing it? Are you meeting with the right people once a day or are you meeting with the right people once a month at a network meeting? Are you going to the right places every day or are you kind of just saving that for a rainy day, right? Like you need to be doing these things, the deliberate action, it needs to be consistent. That's what manifests things. It's interesting. So, I mean, how predictable is thoughts become things? I mean, can anyone do this? 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Anyone. And you know, what's funny is I'm kind of the proof in the pudding because I was no one special. Um, you know, what's funny is my, my parents, like I said, worked in, you know, rat race type situations. My father was in construction. My mom babysat the kids at the home. I wore hand-me-downs in high school, right? So I was broke. So as soon as I started thinking differently and up-leveling my thinking and spending time with the world's top achievers and learning from them and being mentored by them, you know, what's interesting is a 19 year old, I was able to generate $1.6 million in my first six months under their mentorship. So if I can do it, and I'm not a smart kid to tell you the truth, this may be being vulnerable. I didn't even graduate high school, right? I just, I wasn't smart enough. I later went to college because I challenged the test and, um, you know, at that point, I really can, could kind of do it because I did my own self-learning, but learning under the aid of teachers and stuff, I had learning disabilities, I couldn't learn. But if somebody like me, who's kind of a bit of a dummy, could do it, anybody can do it, right? You just got to understand that everything has a law applied to it. If you want to become wealthy, you need to learn the law of wealth. And, you know, again, that's something we teach in the Income Stream Challenge. If you're really that committed and interested, interested in it, come join us. But anything you know, anything will appear. And by the way, here's something interesting to think about. Everyone is wealthy. It just appears in the form you value most, right? And so if you have no money in your life, but you've got, you know, other things, well, that's because you valued them. But if you've got, you know, a, a, you know, wealth in terms of, you know, finances, it's because you value learning that. You value discovering that and nurturing that. You planted the seeds to make that grow. But Everybody has different values. And the interesting thing is, is like, let's just talk wealth for a second, is that I think most people don't value it until they need it, right? And wealth is one of those things. True wealth is one of those things that you create it before you need it, right? You lay the foundations. For most people, immediate gratification has stolen their security because when they're at the mall, 
or, you know, they spend 10 bucks on a Starbucks and another hundred on a pair of shoes or whatever. Whereas then you could spend 10 bucks and join something like the income stream challenge. And all of a sudden now you're building a possibility for yourself rather than simply being unprepared. Right. That's really, that's really interesting. Cause I, I want to go back for a second. You mentioned that you changed your circumstances from mm-hmm. your revelations there about yourself, which I thank you for sharing that because that, that, you know, other people would conceal that and, and find yeah. that a source of perhaps embarrassing of their education. And by the same token, you know, you know there are people who are highly educated, highly, highly educated, yeah. and they can't get a job, they can't make any money. So, so comparatively speaking, the education isn't the factor. It may be it a is factor, never but it's factor. not the factor. No. But what I wanted to ask you specifically, yeah. because you brought it up, is how quickly can these thoughts be shifted and can that instantly. change be permanent? Or do you ever it, no, lie it, back? Instantly. In fact, I think the, the challenge for a lot of people is they've never t- taken the time to think what they really want or to think about the consequences that they are creating. And I think for many people, um, the reason why change is slow is because they don't really realize what they're getting from what they're doing, Right. If you really realize what you were doing or creating, you might change pretty quick, right? So let's just also throw something out there to think about. Uh, A lot of the gurus today are saying that happiness is a choice. Can I say that that's absolutely crap? That's not true. It's a partial answer. I recently had a chance to, before COVID, speak at a maximum security prison in North Carolina. Now, just use your imagination and think about who gets in the maximum security. Those are murderers and really bad dudes, right? So I I was sitting with this guy who had, done multiple murders, right? I want you to imagine that. You're, you're interviewing a guy who's done multiple murders. And it was interesting is as I chat, chatted with him about this idea around choice, remember happiness is a choice. He made lots of choices, but now here he is in prison, right? Um, and the choices he made also, if you think, affected other people and his family, their family, all his future. Like, that's a big thing. And he said, you know, at the time I was killing that person, Um, I thought I was making a good choice. I thought I was doing a good choice. He thought it was a good call, right? But then as we talked, we understood that happiness isn't a choice. Happiness is being pleased with the consequences that come from your choice. And whether that's in wealth or any other kind of form of success, the problem I think with most people, why they can't make a change quickly is because they never think of the consequences. They really don't realize what it is that they're creating in the moment. And they also don't realize that choice is really a hinge. And it takes a small choice to create long and lasting consequences. And because most people just kind of float along through life and they're on autopilot and whatever happens, happens, or they they kind of feel like they're in control, but it's often easier for people to do nothing rather than to proceed towards what they really want. Because what they really want, the consequence might be failure, right? The consequence might be, you know, challenge, but you know why it's failure for most people is because again, they do it themselves. The most successful people understand where they want to go. They make a decision. They want the consequence and then they get help. In fact, here's an interesting little story for you just to to hear. When I was interviewing the world's 400 top achievers, I wanted to start a business. Obviously I was hanging around entrepreneurs and business leaders. So it got contagious. I wanted to start a business. And so as I was able to, uh, you know, meet with some of these people. I had a gentleman who was worth about 300 million and I met with him over a lunchtime and I, I really just wanted to pick his brain about what to do in my company. So I started, and I said, how should I find the customers? How should I do the marketing? How could I do the distribution? How could I? And, and finally he interrupted me and goes, I can tell you're going to start a really small company. And I said, what? That's crazy because I want to start a big company, right? 
And he goes, no, 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 you're going to start a really small company. And I said, well, how can you say that? He goes, well, it's because you're asking selfish questions. I said, what is a selfish question? He goes, every question you've asked me so far ended with I. How can I do this? How can I find that? How can I? And he says, if you want to start a big company, if you want to create success, you need to shift from selfish questions to who questions. So in other words, who can help me find my customers? Who could help me with my marketing? Who could open this door? And the minute that we shift to a who question, number one, you're gaining your freedom back because a, a cog in the wheel is a clog in the wheel. And you're going to slow things down. You're going to create limitations and you're going to always be attached and you're going to be working in your business, not on your business. But the minute you ask who questions, suddenly now you're expanding your power because you're finding people that can help you. I kind of love just to finish this thought with what Steve Jobs said. We don't hire smart people and tell them what to do. We hire smart people so they can tell us what to do. And I'm just going to add to that. We also hire smart people so they can do it for us, right? We don't, that's the idea of leverage. It's not just about money. It's about all aspects, right? If we can learn how to utilize the support and collaborate with the support that's around us, we'll always create bigger things than we're currently experiencing. The problem is most people don't or aren't willing to even try that. They try to, they feel like they have to take ownership for everything. It's not true. No, that's a, that's a really, really interesting thing though. So, so what is the biggest challenge that people have with thought? the biggest? Well, you know, it's interesting because I, I, I think there's a few, like we talked about clarity and focus are big ones, but I also think thinking too small is a big one for people too, right? They feel like they almost need to get permission to be their greatest self. They feel like, you know, no one, no one would think good of me if I tried to strive for something big, or they think that maybe it's unreasonable to strive for something big, or, you know, no one in my family or life has ever done something big. So therefore, I'd kind of be rocking the boat if I believed it was me, that I could do it, right? And, and my thoughts are, it's funny, when I was interviewing the world's top achievers, as you can imagine, I was surrounded every day. And in fact, still many of my friends today are billionaires or multi-billionaires or certainly multi-millionaires, right? And so my question just shifted really, well, if they can do it, why can't I, especially with their support and help, right? And I think most people just kind of exclude themselves and say, well, you know, that's a pretty big ambitious goal. I think it's better for somebody else. We need to trust in our brilliance. We need to trust in uh, the power really that is within us. And I think that's what's lacking. Hmm. So that's really interesting is that we need to trust our own power. Our own well, I, I, I don't believe, I don't believe the, the universe will whisper something to you unless mm. it's possible. And unless so if we see possible. someone else who's, who's accomplished something amazing and, and, and the voice comes in and says, hey, you could do that too. Trust that. And you may not do it the same way as them and that's fine. But the way that you express it, who knows, maybe it'll be even better. And right? so- what are the key things that people need to know in order to overcome their negative thinking? Because uh, some people listening to this might think they might have examples of yeah. why they cannot trust themselves. So what are the key things that they can do to overcome their negative well, thinking? Well, you, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. Let's just take it to this idea of money for a minute. Money doesn't care how you feel about yourself. 
<laughs> right? Money doesn't care if you love yourself or hate yourself. Money also doesn't care if you're adding to the community or you're taking it down. Think about drug dealers and, and people who make their money that way, right? Money doesn't really care. It comes to them too, right? So here's the thing that I think. If you're putting a self-limitation on yourself, the truth is you need to find a way to remove yourself from the equation. Now, what do I mean by that? That sounds pretty weird, right? What we need to do then, especially when it comes to money, is create systems that generate the money without us, us injecting our emotion, our feelings, or our beliefs. And that really does come by first surrounding ourselves with people who understand how to help us, right? People who can build these support systems into our life. And the truth is, is I believe that once you start seeing some success, momentum is much more powerful than motivation. Motivation is based on how you feel about you and the situation at any given time. We'll never do something unless we feel up to it, right? But momentum, you know, what's funny is I've got investments that pay me whether I'm feeling sick or happy or whether I'm feeling excited or depressed that day or whether there's problems in my family or not. I've got things that are on systems that really don't worry about my circumstance. They're totally disattached or unassociated with that. And so I'm going to suggest that a lot of people just need to find a way to put their success into a system so that it can automatically produce what they need. And then once you see the momentum of that and you see it working, your confidence levels will go up and you'll do it again. Like the first time that I ever invested in something was very difficult for me because I didn't have the faith or the confidence. But the funny thing is, as soon as I saw it paying a dividend and I didn't have to do any activity or work and a check just arrived in the mail without any kind of involvement from me beyond what I needed to do to set it up, well, then it was worthwhile to set up another one, <laughs> right? And then I started making that a habit because I could see that it served me. In fact, there's an interesting note about habit right there is all habits are formed because at one point they gave you something valuable. They gave you value in the beginning. The problem is, is most of us hang on to a habit that is no longer valuable, right? So we just need to understand that everything is possible to us. Our emotions really, although they're a fuel to, to get us started, um, we can't count on them because our emotions change with everything, right? With every circumstance. So try while you're in a, a good emotional state to build a system, right? To build a system, that's the key. Build a system, that's very good because that's something I know that a lot of people are gonna be concerned about is what, what do I do with this? If this is the weakest link, in other words. And so it always build is. a system around you and that, that, would, uh, that would help with that. And that would maybe resolve a lot of these, these factors. So um, a couple, you know, just a couple more, you know, final questions for you, which I think I'll save the most important one for last, but how did mm. you choose the people who are in this film? I think you earlier mentioned to me that you chose people who yeah. not only are preaching, you know, how thoughts become things, but they actually can demonstrate the results in their own life. So is that all, or is there anything else you want to add to that? Well, I, I think as well, because these people are friends of mine, I've had a chance to observe how they've applied it over time. And uh, that's something that I think is important is consistency, right? With any kind of success, consistency is going to be a key. So for example, let's just talk about financial freedom for a minute. It's not always how much money you make. It's how you consistently work with what you've made. There's some people, uh, for example, in our program, the Income Stream Challenge, who, quite frankly, don't earn a lot of money, but they are smart consistently with the little bit of money they do gain. And it's like the tortoise and the hare, right? The person that keeps going consistently will always outpace and outperform 
a person who performs pretty good every once in a while, right? But then stops to take a nap, you know? We wanna be the person that's always doing the consistent things. And the cool thing is, and I know sometimes people say, well, you know, doing that is hard work to be consistent. Truth is, is it's not. Because once you start seeing the fruits of your labors, it actually gets pretty exciting, right? I remember again, being broke, but then I also remembered as I started getting, like I said, dividends or payments to me regularly. And it was kind of fun, right? It felt good to know that I've now got some things that are working to my advantage and supporting me, which is funny enough. Um, once that began to happen, it opened up the possibility in so many other areas of my life. I was able to, you know, take care of my fitness in a way that was pleasing. I could order and buy the things that I wanted to eat rather than what I could afford. Afford My relationships were better. I could give and give back to my community and my church groups and my family members. So, you know, so much is connected to our wealth. It's kind of like what Zig Ziglar said, right? Those who don't or the, there are those that may think money is not that important. He said to me that it ranks right up there with oxygen. And I, I believe that when we have that financial energy that really kind of gives us that stability, we can start answering all the other questions in our life differently. And, that, and that's a strong power. That's a valuable power to have. That's really interesting. And it also reminds me of something I heard from someone else, mm. which is that uh, uh, money ain't everything. And uh, money doesn't equal happiness, but we all want to find out. <laughs> so but you know what? Quite amusing. I, I, I kind of love, and I, and I think it was uh, Bo Derek that said this. Some people say money isn't happiness. They just don't know where to shop. And I think that that's an important observation because the truth of the matter is, is money is nothing but a big magnifier. If you're not happy already, and if you're not making good choices already, money will just simply cause you to be more unhappy faster and cause you to buy things that don't serve you faster. But if you are a good person inside and you would do good things, money will magnify that in you and it will expand your possibilities in those directions. And so will money buy happiness? Well, the truth is, is money is irrelevant. Money will magnify it if you're already happy. And here's the other question I have is, does poverty buy happiness too? I think that's a fool's question, right? Kind of, and, and I'm not meaning to sound cheeky, cheeky, but um, a couple of years ago, I, I had a chance to go to my high school reunion, okay? Now, I'm not, I didn't do this to, to be silly, but I did drive the Ferrari there. Um, but I've got a couple other vehicles. It just doesn't make sense to show up at a high school reunion on a Ducati motorcycle. And I decided I didn't want to go. Uh, we've got a, a Range Rover as well and all these things. So I just came with the Ferrari. And one of my classmates from way back in the day turned to me and goes, oh, not everybody can be rich. And I simply turned to him, not to be mean, but to teach a lesson and simply saying, well, not everybody has to be poor. What do you want to be? Like you choose, right? You can choose. Yeah. You know, my right? grandpa was asked once by some, somebody, would you rather be rich or healthy? And he just looked at him and he was like, he's like, you know, I'd rather be rich and healthy than poor and sick. Yeah, it's they're, both. They're not a well, why do you have to have one or the exclusive. other? Yeah, and that's a scarcity mentality. Scarcity mentality is any kind of form of jealousy, comparison, criticism, contracting, meaning thinking small and so forth. And the truth of the matter is, is it's, it, it is about the money a little bit, but it's not really about the money. It's about the energy and the money is what you allow into your life. If you're going to close the door saying, oh, you know, um, I just, I just want to be humble and I just want to be, you know, a servant. And I just want to, well, the truth is, is if you're saying, I just want to be, you're already kind of putting up limitations to what could be. And the truth of the matter is, is the 
the most powerful people of all actually embrace all forms of abundance as it comes. And if you want to be happy in life, you've got to be open to abundance, however it comes. Let me just maybe even give you this thought to think about as we finish here, is that the universe is an echo chamber. And if you show up with scarcity, hesitation, doubt, fear, apprehension, criticism, comparison, jealousy, any of these things, that's exactly what shows up for you. But if you show up with a kindness, giving, uh, an expansion, the idea of abundance and wealth and commitment and enthusiasm and all of these amazing things, that's what shows up for you. So you get to decide. So if you say, you know, this guy, you know, he, he's just talking too much about money during this conversation. That means you're afraid of money and it won't show up for you. But if you recognize that money is an expression of all forms of abundance and you're open to it and you're ready to expand, remember you need to expand who you are before you can expand what you have, you're going to see more will arrive for you in all forms. And you know what? Wealth and abundance um, have many forms, everything from the time to the quality of your relationships to everything. So you've got to be prepared to embrace, embrace abundance in all its forms as it appears. That's the only way you'll ever have it. Yeah, that's that's really interesting because there there are two things that I talk about, wealth and health a lot. And when mm -hmm. I say wealth, that could be spiritual wealth. It could be physical wealth. It could be a financial wealth, but also health, your financial yeah. health, your professional health. But, but true, health. true wealthy people, true wealthy people have it appear in all forms. In fact, I love, uh, you probably heard that the movie The Secret was based on the book, The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace D. Waddles, which was mm -hmm. published in 1910. One of the things in that book that's really interesting is Wallace D. Waddles said, whatever may be said in praise of poverty, the fact remains that a person is not truly wealthy and are truly successful until they are rich. So wealth financially must appear in your life. It will appear. If you are truly successful in what you're doing, wealth will appear in all forms, including so, money. So let's end on let's end on this this note because of course our mm -hmm. interview was about the movie How Thoughts Become Things. So what yes. do you hope that people will gain from watching this film? Well I think the strongest thing that I hope they'll gain is they'll, they'll develop that desire to become, to become more than they've ever become before, to embrace their greatest self, their biggest possibilities, their brilliance, if you will. I hope that really people start to see themselves in a more, how should we say this, loving light, a careful light, meaning that I'm not discounting who I am, and a more empowering light, that they'll recognize that they're capable of greater things than they've ever assumed possible for themselves because i believe that even as humanity as mankind we are playing too small in fact i think at times i'm playing too small so i include me in that i think we all need to step up our game because so much uh potential exists that we just haven't tapped into and that's what i hope people will do well doug i wanted to express my gratitude and appreciation for you spending an hour with us today live and of course also on the Justin Answer podcast. It really was eye-opening. I mean, I watched the film, but I learned a lot listening to you and discussing with you and uh, and I really appreciate your answers to this question. So it remains for me to simply say thank you. And if you have any final parting words for us, I would love to hear from you now. Sure. Come and join us and see the film. Again, www.howthoughtsbecomethings.com. I promise you'll be very delighted when you see it.
Thank you very much. So this has been Justin Answer. This is Justin Dunn thanking you for listening, for watching, depending on where you are consuming this interview. And I will reiterate and encourage you to go to howthoughtsbecomethings.com to check out Doug Vermeeren's new film, which is remarkable. It is fantastic. I endorse it. I recommend it. I stand behind it. Everything else that you have there, you're going to thank me. So thank you guys for watching and enjoy. <laughs>